Hey, thanks, Ruth. So, guys, if you could turn with me to uh, <laughs> to Colossians, that wonderful New Testament letter, Colossians chapter one. Uh, I'm going to read up to chapter fourteen. It's fourteen verses. I'm going to read them, and then we're going to dig in a little bit. Okay. So uh, here it goes. Right from the start. Okay, Paul's writing this letter and addressing the church in uh, Colossae. So I'm going to read, you guys can follow. So chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. We always thank God the Father for you. Sorry, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love and the love you have for all of the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have heard already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, the same gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it's been doing since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Please him in every good work, uh, in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it's a great portion of scripture. And I felt the Lord speak to me on a few levels. <laughs> and I'm going to try and work through some of the nuggets that I believe he's dropped in my spirit, which has strengthened me. Like I'm sure you guys have been strengthened a lot by scripture, especially in this last week, which has been a crazy week. And uh, there's no place other to dive in, <laughs> except into the word of God and into the life of God, um, there's no other safe place. So I found myself really being encouraged and held by his word. I really felt the Lord hold me as I've been in his word. And I encourage you to find yourself not only in prayer and in the presence of God and in worship, but as you tuck into his word, uh, I felt the strength um, of God around me going, you know what, it's, it's going to be all right. You know, you're my son. I really felt his grip. And just in verse 14, at the end of that passage, you know, just to remind ourselves, what did Jesus come for? You know, he came to destroy the work of Satan, came to rescue us, redeem us. And look at beautiful verse 13, sorry. And it's a reminder because he has rescued us, you and I, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. How beautiful in this time to know that we have redemption and forgiveness. And uh, we were once also in the dominion of darkness. I want to remind us, myself um, and you guys, that we can look at what's been happening in our country 
and we can see the dominion of darkness growing more and more evil, more and more depraved than it has been in, in our short history as we've been alive on earth. It's definitely becoming more depraved, more evil, more unbelievable. And I, I caught myself saying to someone the other day, like, I keep, when people talk about what's been happening, oh, it's just unbelievable. Eh? I'll be like, it's just unbelievable. I caught myself going, it's not true what I'm saying. It's actually very believable. And I find myself going, yes, it, of course it's believable. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise my God. It shouldn't surprise me with what's happening. I should be able to believe it. I should actually expect it because this is the dominion, dominion of darkness taking root and doing the havoc that it would naturally begin to cause um, in this day. So it doesn't um, shock me. <laughs> It's very believable. The challenge is that even when we were in the dominion of darkness, uh, we were not um, incapable of going this route of evil and being so depraved. We want to thank God for where he's brought us into the kingdom of light. And he's redeemed us um, because he's brought us into a place where we can live differently. So on that note, I want to chat about three things today. Um, and those three things are, um, the first one is out of Colossians. Uh, to ask us, are we a people uh, of living hope? Do we still know that we're a people of living hope? And uh, with that hope uh, comes the word inheritance. We keep that word in mind. Number two, are we shining the gospel outside of us? Sorry, no. Are we sharing the gospel outside of us? And is that gospel at work inside of us? Number two. And then number three, are we living a life worthy of the Lord? Are we living a life worthy of the Lord? So, again, if you guys have questions or comments, please put them in the chat at the bottom. If you're struggling with uh, listening or hearing, please also put it down in the chat. So the first one is living hope. So Paul commended this church, uh, or Paul wrote this with Timothy at his side, um, Timothy being his young helper and uh, someone that Paul discipled and kept very close, called him his true son in the faith. So Paul and Timothy addressing the church, the Colossians church, and saying, Right up front, we commend you for, let's go with three things. The first one is their faith in Christ. The second one is their love for all the saints. And the third one is their hope, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And I love that uh, part because we need to be a people of faith. It's obvious. We can't access the kingdom. We can't know Jesus without faith. Um, that's how we were saved. It's by God's grace that we were saved. Remember that, that? But through faith, we had to access the free gift of grace. Uh, faith. Faith was access grace in the first place, which saved us from the dominion of darkness, right? And he commends them for their faith, which we need in bucket loads even today. And then for their love for all the saints. I'm so challenged that uh, there's a love that uh, Paul and therefore our Lord commends us for, and it's enough for all the saints, not just the saints that we're close to, the saints that are in our home group, but all the saints. And there's a growing love that uh, the Lord has for us in these days is to love um, the people of God in our church, in our in our area, in uh, where we where we've been placed to work in our country, even beyond all the saints, all the people that know His name. And uh, then He speaks of the hope that's stored up in heaven, and this this is beautiful because. Faith and love are spoken about a lot, church circles, but I, I definitely see less focus on hope. And I sometimes wonder why, you know, faith and love. But for me, hope, you just read this early part of Colossians. Um, it's, it's because of hope that faith and love spring forth, you know. 
uh, it, it's it, it, they spring from hope, which means which means hope is uh, was looking at faith and love as a river. If faith and love was a river flowing, then hope is the source of the river. I want to get to the source where the pure water is, you know, and I want to know from where faith and love are coming. You know, this this must be an awesome source, and that source is hope. And it says that hope is stored up for you, you and I, in heaven. And even as I, I listen to that, or I read that word stored up, it feels to me that hope is not just stored in heaven and, and stable, but it's stored up. It means our hope can, can grow. Now, the word stored up means to me, uh, what I took from stored up means if, if, if a friend of mine is storing up wealth for me, that wealth is growing. You know? <laughs> it's not just I've got X amount of wealth and it's stored, stable till one day. But someone stored up wealth, he's storing up wealth for me. That means there's a growing wealth, there's a growing inheritance. So the word hope and inheritance are used interchangeably. Yeah, we'll see a bit longer. But I was encouraged that, that the hope that you and I, that we can carry, is being stored up, is, is a wealth of hope growing for us in eternity. We can access that hope for ourselves. We can access that hope for others. And uh, there's no greater time than now. For us to live that way so from a place of direction for where do we go as a congregation where do we go as a body as a group of believers will we go in the direction of hope for ourselves and for more there's an overflow that god has for us of hope this morning that's what i felt him say is we need to be an eternally and eternally focused people uh, our country needs to see believers that are lovesick for eternity not lovesick for south africa for a beautiful country, or well, it is a beautiful country. And people want to be here because it's an envy to so many people in the world because it is a stunning place. But if we live here, and I'll borrow this um, Will Maria phrase, we need to know that we are uh, 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 spiritual beings having an, a, a temporary earthly experience. We're, we're, we're spiritual beings, you and I, and we're having a very temporary earthly experience. And you can just listen to Will Maria preaching these days after coming close to death a couple of times. And his mind and his heart, everything is fixed on eternity. Now, why should we wait till we're in our late 60s to live that way? We're going to miss out on the inheritance that God has for us. We can get eternally minded in this time of chaos and fix our eyes on the place that we do live. Our citizenship is in heaven and not on earth. And that's where our hope is stored up. So, um, I want to jump to uh, that word inheritance. If you go to Colossians 1 verse 12, you will see um, the word inheritance there. So believers, believers, disciples are born not only into a hope, but also into an inheritance, which is the substance of hope, it says. So now we have hope sourced in something. So our faith and love spring from their source, which is hope. Hope is now the substance. Uh, Inheritance is now the substance of hope, which means that hope is placed in something even bigger, which is an inheritance. And for me, um, you know, the world looks at hope as like a, a wishful thinking. Like, I really hope um, I'm going to beat Louis the next time I run uh, five kilometers down the coast. Or I really hope that the next soccer game, I'm, you know, uh, with the Greenpoint Oaks, I'm going to beat Mark Pierce's team again and score lots of goals. I mean, that's... It's wishful thinking because you never know. There's no effect, you know. But the hope of Scripture is factual. It's not a wishful, hopeful, maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's, a, it's secured in our inheritance, which 
It's a promise from God. And um, one more scripture that I'd love us to read together is 1 Peter 1 verse 4. So you remember earlier this year, we looked at 1 Peter as a book. Many of you guys uh, studied it with us online. It was an absolutely incredible read. And so you just go to 1 Peter 1 verse 4. Look at what it says here. Now remember that um, the Colossian letter was written by Paul to, uh, to, to dispel a, a heresy, some false teaching, and to actually put the focus for the Colossian church back on Jesus Christ as the only true God and to put the focus on Jesus as he is supreme and he is all you need. That's what the focus of Colossians was. Peter was writing to the church who were dealing with persecution and who were fearful and uh, he needed to encourage them as well. Interestingly, both Paul and Peter talk about the hope and the inheritance that is to come because they needed to root the church, right, and to secure them in faith. So listen to what he says in verse 4. I'll start with three, actually. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And verse 4, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So there's a few verses there. One of my greatest verses to go to for hope and assurance and giving me an eternal mindset is that portion of scripture. And interestingly, that inheritance where our hope is uh, kept, it's an eternal inheritance. It's not subject to decay. I mean, you just look at South Africa and how much moral decay there, there is. And then all the physical decay that you see now. You know, KZN it's probably going to look decayed. It was already a dirty, decayed city. Sorry to all the other Durbanites here, but, you know, you, you travel from Cape Town to KZN and things look old. I mean, let's be honest. Some buildings haven't been fixed for ages and you often complain. My friends will call Durban, Durban, not Durban, but Durban. Like, guys, don't be so harsh on your city now, but it's dirty and it's not, it's decaying, you know. And it's probably more decayed now and probably for a long time, some of those areas are going to look really decayed. But our inheritance is, is not subject to decay. You know, what we have sought up for us in heaven is divinely kept for us. It means if it's divinely kept, then we are so secure in, in what we have. And my encouragement to us is, what are we going to do with that promise? You know, um, <laughs> yeah, only a Durbanite can say that. I'm, a, I'm that harsh on my, my former city. But we have this great, and this is to point number two of my three, is that we have this the gospel. We have a great gospel to share. Now, where did we hear about this hope? Um, so Paul reminded the Colossians, where did you hear about this hope? You know, he's trying to get their mind off of false teaching and, and heresy, and people coming in to the church and actually starting to corrupt the church and, 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 and shift things away from Jesus Christ as, you know, their, their only hope and their only focus. So he comes back in with the gospel and says, now this gospel is growing. So he's reminding them of what it's doing, the power of the gospel. As this gospel is growing around the world, as it's also been growing in you, the church, and he reminds the church that we are transformed. You are transformed and you were transformed, church, when you heard the gospel. And when they understood God's grace and all of its truth. So two things that stand out for me is that we need to be people that share the gospel because People cannot be transformed by the gospel unless we share the gospel. <laughs> we need to share the hope that is within us. We need to share Jesus Christ with others. And probably now more so than ever because 
People are desperate for answers. They're looking in a million directions for hope. We carry that hope, and it's a living hope inside of us, anchored in eternity. The second point is that the church really, the gospel really began to transfer, transform the Colossians when they understood God's grace in all its truth. So I, I realize that the word grace, and we can study grace and see that it has various facets of truth, various um, intricacies. You can look at grace from, you know, grace is a free gift. Uh, you don't need to do anything to earn it. It's God's gift to you. Uh, but on the other hand, grace also <coughs> enables us to say no. It's also a, a enabling grace. So while it's, it's free and it's um, undeserved, it also gives us a, an ability to say no and an ability to actually live a life holiness and to go on and live. Uh, people don't like to speak of the word effort in Christianity because in one sense Jesus did it all. So I sit back, I can sit back in the grace of God and not do anything because he's done it all for me. But on the other side of grace is that we have grace empowered effort. So effort in Neil's strength or your strength is, is not going to cut it. Now God's not looking for our effort and our strength, but he is looking for uh, an effort and progress in the Christian faith in his strength. So I'll call it a grace-empowered or a grace-enabled effort. So there's two parts of grace that seem totally opposite, one effort and one sitting back and just receiving. And uh, so there was importance that the church, that Paul wrote, said you needed to understand God's grace and all of its truth. And at that point, uh, there was transformation. And I feel it's the same for us to take a, 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 a cue from that. Effort's not a bad word. Transformation requires progress and effort. And it comes to the third point, which I'm almost on. So what clue do we have in verse 8? Um, verse 8 says, it was Paul commended them for their love in the spirit. It was the source of their love. And um, I wanted to say to us that our love is going to become a, a, a huge weapon in this time. Our love for one another and our love for others. We're going to go and share gospel with people. We're going to share our love with people. We're going to need to, to have a love that is commendable, just like Paul commended the Colossians. It's going to be a love that is rooted in the spirit. Because he made a very strong point in verse 8 to say to them that this love, let me just get back to it, if it's verse 8. It is verse 8. Epaphras came back to Paul and Timothy and commended the church and said that he saw a, a, love, a love in the spirit that the church had. And I want to encourage us that this is, this is a love that is eternal, it is supernatural, it is rooted in, 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 in our inheritance that is, excuse me, beyond uh, earth, beyond the temporary, and that is the love that is going to change the world around us one person at a time. It is the love in the spirit of God that is going to take looters and anarchists and Every person that's outside the love of God and transform corrupt politicians is going to take people that are angry and are wanting to flee the country, that are spitting mad at our country, speaking words of death over South Africa and our people. What's going to, what it's going to take to touch those people, whether they're politicians or, or people that don't have work and live on the streets, is the love of God that is rooted in the spirit of God. And we have access to that love. We, I want to say to us, guys, we, we're wondering, wondering what direction the church takes, what our role is. It's that. So we may be people that carry hope, 
the gospel and the love that is in the spirit and take that into our environments one person at a time. So we all have that responsibility to share the gospel outside of us, but also to, to allow the gospel to take root in us and transform us from within so that as a body, as a group of believers, we become more in Christ. We become the hope of glory. Amen. Guys will follow. All right. So the last point in point three, just to recap, the first one is, are we a people of living hope? Do we understand our inheritance? Point two, so are we sharing the gospel outside of us? And is that gospel transforming and working inside of us? Third point, are we living a life worthy of the Lord? So you'll see that Paul and Timothy prayed for the church. In verse nine, for this reason, Paul and Timothy prayed for the church to be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's a great prayer. I wonder how often uh, we stop and think about one another. And, uh, and just for a moment, like, I'm going to pray for my, my family at Greenpoint. We pray for our wider church across uh, Josh Chain and 412. And you sometimes go, well, what am I going to pray for? Well, here's a great prayer. And here's a great tip from Paul to pray that the church and my friends and fellow believers will be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's a great prayer. And that's, you know, it's not just um, praying for facts, you know, for knowledge as in life. I pray for knowledge and facts and understanding. But that actually we pray for a, a knowledge uh, for, of wisdom, spiritual wisdom, sorry, and understanding. And the difference here is that what follows spiritual wisdom and understanding is always fruit. As we saw earlier, when Paul commended them for the way they understood God's grace in all its truth, there was a transformation. So it's not a, an understanding so that we've got more facts and we've got more head knowledge. The more spiritual wisdom and understanding we have as God's people, the more it equates to practical living and progress and growth in the faith. In other words, the more fruit we will bear, the more fruit this church of the early days bore fruit because of their understanding of God's will, their knowledge, their spiritual wisdom and understanding. So fruit always follows that. They're really, if we know God's will, there will be fruit. I mean, who wants more fruit in their life? I do. I want uh, fruit to follow my life because people will recognize um, the fruit of the Spirit and follow um, the, the way that we live. We're going to see in uh, the Holy Spirit message that Ross did this morning and see the Holy Spirit fruit. What is that fruit in our life? Uh, where does that come from? It comes from uh, our growing knowledge of God's will for our lives. And uh, it's a beautiful thing because the world sees that and they see uh, uh, um, something that they can follow, something beautiful and something tangible. Amen. So what does a life worthy of following Jesus look like? And so I'm going to come to a close with this portion. But uh, if you follow these points in your Bible, you can go to the end passage. I'll give you the verse. Where he says in verse 10, and we pray that this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and that please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work. Okay, so there's the first one. Pleasing him in every way. That's the first point of living a life that's worthy of the Lord. So Paul actually lists him. If you want to make a list, it would go like this. 
pleasing the Lord in every way, growing in the knowledge of God the Father, being strengthened in all power, so we'll have great endurance and patience that will give joyful thanks to the Father who qualified us for this inheritance. And I love that because it gives us so much to aim for. It feels like the Lord will ask us today, like as you look to me in these uh, chaotic times in your life, I'm not surprised, church. I'm, I picked you. I chose you to live at this time. I chose you to be an outworking of the faith in this part of the world, this time in your lives. This is what I have for you, church. I have for you a life that I want you to live as my gospel takes root in you and begins to bear fruit as you understand my will more and more in these days, that you gain spiritual understanding and spiritual wisdom. You will please me in every way, that you will grow in the knowledge of God, that you'll be strengthened in all power, so that you will have great endurance and great patience. I just want to stop on that note. You know that right now we need great endurance and great patience. I love that Paul's used the word great. Endurance and patience are not going to get us through, you know. It has to be great. It has to be bigger than because... We are called to endure until a finish line. And we're going to need bucket loads of patience to get through trying times. And that will give joyful thanks to the Father. And even in this time, I want to say that joy is a weapon. We spoke a bit about that in the week on Wednesday night too, guys. And even, you know, I was saying to Louis and Jess, we just prayed a little bit before we started, but let's just thank God for a camera and a laptop and a smartphone and uh, a Bible and uh, Wi-Fi and technology and joyful thanks. We said to the Father, thank you for providing, you know, something like Zoom. Because in some countries, they may not be able to do this right now. So God, would you help the church? I, I don't know what it must be like. I heard from our good friend Neville in Zimbabwe. A prayer request went out yesterday that uh, COVID is ravaging the guys in Harare and Zim. And the church is scattered. Um, People are, are in fear because the virus is really grabbing hold. And I mean, for them, maybe they're under a tree this morning. I hope that they can gather in some way. But they have a different challenge to you and I. And there are partners just over the border, you know. And so we need to be joyful and giving thanks no matter our circumstances. And, and see uh, the glass. Let me, let me show you this glass. This glass is more than half full. Hmm. But a glass half full rather than a glass half empty is the only way we can live, you know. We have an inheritance that will not see, will never perish. And that's what God has given us. So when we want to moan and when we run out of patience and when we become frustrated, we need to find the grace of God to uh, continue to see the glass half full <laughs> and to live a life of joyful thanks. That's what he has for us. Because he qualified, it was him who qualified us for that inheritance. Praise God. And thank you, Jesus, for somehow rescuing you and I and sending his grace into our hearts, calling us out of the world and out of the dominion of darkness and placing us in his kingdom of light. What a privilege. What a privilege. So reminded, it feels like the other day, 18 years ago, that Taryn and I were saved and uh, plucked out of the world, um, addictions broken off, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a miracle. 
I'm a, I'm a walking miracle today, as are you guys. We're walking miracles. We've been placed in his kingdom for a very specific purpose, and, and that's to take his gospel into the ends of the earth, to see it work first in our own hearts, to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, to become more like him, and to take that hope, to take that gospel into our surrounding areas, starting closest one next to us, and then into the streets of Cape Town and beyond. And so uh, that's my prayer for us, guys. We become such effective ministers of God's grace and uh, see what he does through us. See what he does through us. So one day when we meet him, when we come into his presence, we can look back and go, yeah, you know, I, I lived with my foot down on that pedal and I accelerate. My accelerator was on for you, Jesus. I ran as tough as it was in, in South Africa when you placed me, as, as tough as it was through that COVID era, um, with all the challenges we faced, man, my foot was on that accelerator for you, Jesus, and I poured my life out because of the great inheritance that awaits me. And I believe one day we'll get to a place where we'll look back and we will marvel at the beautiful things that he did through us, through you and I. Amen? Can I pray for us? And I, I really love to do that. And for just a couple of minutes, um, you guys, if there's any questions, um, we encourage you, anything that God's spoken to you about, just pop it onto the chat. It is there. It is open and running. Um, but let's just pray for a few moments. And uh, if you've got anything, just put it on the chat and we can pray into that as a people. If you have a prayer request or there's anything that God has put on your heart, please feel free to place it in there. And I'm going to pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Mm. You know, just for a moment, let's just seek him, just pray in tongues where you are, just uh, engage with the Spirit. Just ask him to lead us. We thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Come speak to your people, Lord, to your church, to us gathered in Greenpoint, Atlantic Seaboard, and all of the city. Come and speak. Come and empower. Come and encourage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus, we, we want to be a people of your spirit. We want to be a people that um, give joyful thanks even at the most uh, difficult of times, Lord. We want to be a people that... Uh, Someone wants to know what is the gospel? What does it look like? When they look at us, they can see your gospel at work. They can see us giving thanks, joyful thanks, even in the most trying times. They can see uh, your gospel bearing fruit in our lives Lord, and a train, a, a train of effective living um, behind our uh, footsteps, Lord, in our footsteps, in our path. So I pray, Lord, for us as a congregation, as a people, as a, as a family of friends, or that you would, your gospel would work in our hearts, even in these restrictive times. That when we come out and when things begin to open up again, Lord, we would, we would be down on that accelerator, Lord. <laughs> that we'd come out of this time, Lord, so passionate and zealous for your household, for the church to grow, and for um, people to be reached, Lord. And give us, give us an ability, Lord, by your grace, to rescue people out of the dominion of darkness and bring them into your kingdom, kingdom of light. So I pray that you would, um, like, like 
you charge Timothy to do the work of the evangelist. But I want to pray that over Greenpoint, that Father, whoever we come across, you would share the good news of what you've done in our lives. And uh, I'll ask that in Jesus' name, that you would empower us by your grace, the same grace that called us out of darkness and into your light, that you would empower us with that grace this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, you, Lord. Amen. You know, um, it's not ideal. But God's using it anyway. <laughs> this platform, I mean, because there's just something about when you're praying and you've got one another just agreeing and praying in tongues and just the stirring of our faith. And it's, uh, I miss that. <laughs> and I'm sure you do as well. Um, so I hope, I hope and pray that we get to be together soon and get into one another's homes. Uh, we'll probably know by next Sunday, it's only a week away, what the president says. I'm hopeful, and I, I haven't heard anything, so I don't know, that soon enough we'll be able to gather in small groups, maybe um, in our home groups, 10 in a home. And if that time comes again, that will be awesome, wouldn't it? Um, that we can at least gather together. But for now, just um, keep reaching out to one another. That's the one thing I wanted to say, and that you can meet in a coffee shop. You know, um, you can go for a walk together on the promenade. So wherever you feel safe, um, uh, I'll be encouraged not to alone for too long if you need connection reach out to one another an amazing family of believers here so much potential in this group you're a beautiful amazing bunch of people so no one needs to be alone or stuck keep reaching out keep asking for help wherever you can there was someone on my heart to pray for though before we go um i need to see a face or a name because god dropped something on my heart and uh i just want to go there here we go. See if they're still on. <laughs> Jackie, Jacqueline, you're still on. <laughs> yeah, she is. Okay. 